You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. Okay, well, we'll, uh, we'll pray. And let's get into the word. And if other people jump on, they, they can jump right in there with us. Amen. Amen. Father, yeah. thank you so much for our time together tonight. <laughs> thank you for just another opportunity to gather around your word. I thank you, Lord, that the Lord Jesus promised us that where two or three are gathered together in his name, that he would be right here in our midst. So we thank you, Jesus, that you are here and Lord, I thank you that there is no time nor distance in the Spirit. So, Father, even though we might not physically be in the same place, we're still connected. We're still here together, and you are right there wherever everybody happens to be, Lord. And we thank you for it. Thank you for the anointing, the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God is present to heal, to deliver, and set free. Father, I thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit tonight to bring revelation and insight. Let We let the teacher, the teacher, teach us the Word of God tonight. And I thank you for, uh, for bringing information and insight to us, Lord, that we've never seen before. And Father, we thank you for it. We believe that we receive tonight in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1. This is week number three in our uh, series on the Holy Spirit. And um, I am thoroughly enjoying this and um, just believing God for great things to come out of this. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse one, I'm gonna read it from the New King James and then I'll read it from the Bible in basic English. This is our foundation scripture for this series. And it says this, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now in the New King James and in the Old King James, the word gifts is italicized there. So that means that it was added at the privilege of the translators. So if you were really gonna literally read it, uh, omitting that word, it says now concerning spiritual or spiritual things, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. The Bible in basic English says this, but about the things of the Spirit, my brothers, it is not right for you to be without teaching. And as I've been sharing with you what I've endeavored to do over the last oh, couple of years is be sure that I take time every year to minister and to teach on the Holy Spirit uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, we're never going to be able to exhaust the Holy Spirit uh, in the sense of find out everything that we can about him. But uh, there are some things that we need to know and understand about him. And as I've been saying to you, uh, you know, I've heard it said before, but uh, it's true. And that is this, you can't flow in something you don't know. So we need to learn how the Holy Spirit works. We need to learn how he ministers how he ministers to us, how he ministers to other people through us, and uh, all the things that he has for us that we need to receive and partake of. And so we began talking last week about the benefits of 
praying in other tongues. And so I want to just pick up there. We'll hit on these first few ones that we touched on last week and just as a point of review. So, and again, I encourage you, go back and listen to the previous uh, couple of messages and then download the notes if you can. But here's number one, the first benefit that we talked about of being able to pray in the Spirit or pray in other tongues is that tongues is primarily for your own personal spiritual edification. It is for your personal spiritual edification. Now, we're not talking about the gift of tongues in the nine gifts of the Spirit. We'll talk about that later. We're talking about the supernatural ability that comes on a believer once they have received the baptism in the Holy Spirit and the supernatural ability that we have to be able to pray in the Spirit. Now, a couple of scriptures, if you want to just write these down, we looked at them last week, but I'll give you the references again. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 4, Paul said this, He who speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. So the word edify there, uh, it's where we get our English word edifice to a building, meaning that we build ourselves up praying in the Spirit, praying in other tongues. Jude 20 says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So you, you build yourself up. I encourage you. You know, if, the, if you're feeling depleted, now, of course, we're not moved by how we feel, but you know what's going on in your own spirit. And, uh, you know, if you know that you're uh, spiritually drained and so forth, I would encourage you to spend some time praying in the spirit. And, and you know, take advantage of the times uh, that you have. I know a lot of times, like when I'm on trips and I'm driving, you know, I'll spend time praying in the spirit while I'm driving. You know, it's... it's <laughs> time, mindless time anyway, so I might as well take advantage of that time. And you know what I do for myself, and uh, you can do whatever works for you, but I, you know, I'll just say, okay, I'm going to take the next 30 minutes, and I'm going to pray in the Spirit. A and I'll do that, and then if something else comes up, I'll do that, or I'll pray some more. But anyway, I I'm doing it by faith, believing that I'm being edified. Now, here's something that you need to understand. Take that scripture by faith. Don't look for a feeling of edification. Okay, and what I mean by that is you might spend some time praying in the Spirit and not feel any different, but you have to believe by faith that you are spiritually edified. I remember hearing Brother Copeland share a testimony that you, um, early on in his life as a believer and after he had received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, he had uh, been on a trip somewhere. I think he had gone to minister somewhere and, and he had about a six-hour drive to get back home. And so he just decided within himself he was going to spend that time praying in other tongues. And so he did, spent the entire six hours. And uh, so he got back home and then he and Gloria had a Bible study that they were supposed to go to. He wasn't teaching at it, but they were just supposed to go and be in attendance. And so he didn't feel any different, didn't feel anything, uh, but he believed the Word of God. And so they went to this Bible study, and uh, after the Bible study was over, they had a time of prayer, and somebody raised their hand that they needed healing. And so whoever was leading the Bible study just said, Brother Copeland, would you mind laying hands on this lady uh, for her healing? 
And uh, he said, well, sure. And so he reached up and the moment he touched her, it, she, it, it was as if um, you had connected a 10,000 volt cable to her and the power of God just flowed into her body and she was healed. Now, the point of that is this, you're not going to necessarily feel anything, but you have to believe that you're edified by faith. Number two is this, and this is kind of a sub point actually of number one, but you can't edify somebody unless you have first been edified. So, you know, the worst thing you can do is try and build other people up when you haven't been built up uh, because you'll just d drain yourself. Number th uh, three is this. God has given us this divine means by which we can speak directly to him supernaturally. You and I, by the power of the Holy Spirit, have a hotline to heaven. And uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 2 says this in the Amplified. It says, For one who speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but to God. And here's the cool thing about it. The devil can't understand what you're saying. Only God can understand what you're saying by the Holy Spirit. And so you have a hotline to heaven. And when you spend time praying in the Spirit... You're speaking directly to God. Here's number four. Praying in other tongues is praying in line with God's perfect will. Now, you're never going to find the Holy Spirit violating the will of God for your life. So if you're yielding yourself to him and praying in the Spirit by the Holy Spirit, then what he's doing is through your vocal cords is he's praying the perfect will of God for your life or your business, for your ministry, whatever the case might be. And uh, we looked at Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. And I'm not going to take time to get into it again, but uh, basically, if you look at the original text in the Greek language, it says this, that when we don't know how to pray as we ought to pray about a situation, that if we'll just take time and say, Holy Spirit, I need your help. And we spend time praying in the Spirit that the Greek language of these two scriptures tells us that what the Holy Spirit does is he jumps into that situation with us and then launches a rescue effort to bring us out of that situation, to pray the perfect will of God, to bring deliverance, to bring the resources of heaven to bear so that it can bring us out of whatever the trouble is or situation is that we might be praying about. So again, when we don't know how to pray as we ought, that is a weakness or an infirmity as the old King James says, but thank God for the Holy Spirit that through him, we can pray the perfect will of God. Now I heard, um, matter of fact, I think it was Andrew Womack talking about this recently and I absolutely loved it. And, uh, I've known this, but he just articulated it very well, and that was this, that the Bible says in, in 1 Corinthians that we can pray that we interpret what we are speaking when we're praying in the Spirit. Now, let me explain to you how that works. Uh, our assumption is that it works the same way that uh, the, the gift of the Spirit in tongues and interpretation in a public service works and it can work that way but there are going to be times and this is what brother womack said and I, I loved it that 
that sometimes you might spend time praying in the Spirit and immediately not get any insight or interpretation as to what you're praying about, but later on, as you're studying the Word or, or, or maybe doing something else uh, seemingly unrelated, all of a sudden revelation will rise up in your spirit and what that is, is actually the interpretation of what you prayed earlier. And the Holy Spirit will minister to you in that way, okay? So just to make yourself available to that. Now here's one important thing under this point that we want to remember, and that is this. Your weaknesses do not disqualify you from the Holy Spirit's help. They qualify you for His help. And thank God for it. I'm so glad you know, God just didn't throw us out there and say, okay, you, you got to fend for yourself. You got to figure this out on your own. Thank God he knew we were human. We live in a flesh body. We deal with a broken world. And sometimes, uh, you know, we need help. We need spiritual help. And so thank God it's that need for spiritual help which qualifies us for the help of the Holy Spirit. And so, and here's something else to remember. You're... You're never going to outgrow the need for the help of the Holy Spirit, okay? So you're never going to arrive this side of heaven without needing His help. So it would behoove us to develop a, an intimate relationship with Him and learn how to draw upon that help. Now here's something else we said. Number five is we said speaking in other tongues helps us to stay aware of the Holy Spirit's presence. Now, just by nature of the fact that when we spend time praying in other tongues, we're yielding to the Holy Spirit, then we're acknowledging His presence in us. Jesus said in John 14, verse 16, in the Passion Translation, He said, I will ask the Father, and He'll give you another helper, another Savior, the Holy Spirit of truth, who will be to you a friend just like me, and he will never leave you, okay? So you need to know um, the Holy Spirit doesn't come and go depending on what mood you're in. His mood never changes, <laughs> thank goodness. So, you, you know, you're, if you're not in a good mood, the Holy Spirit's right there. If you're feeling great and in a great mood, the Holy Spirit's right there. So he is always present. And when the scripture says that he is in the Old Testament, it says that the Lord is our ever-present help in a time of need. In the New Testament, it's through and by the person of the Holy Spirit. Okay, So, um, the ability to pray in other tongues just by nature of what it is proves the Holy Spirit's abiding presence in us because if He wasn't there, you couldn't pray in the Spirit. Alright? Now, uh, let me show you one other scripture. Go over with me to Romans chapter 8 and verse 5. And this is still under this same point, but Romans chapter 8 and verse 5. Now, one of the things that the Holy Spirit or praying in the Spirit does, and again, in conjunction with what we're talking about, His abiding presence, is Romans chapter 8 and verse 5. Now, I'm going to tell you, okay, or actually 
Paul by the, uh, the Holy Spirit tells us, if you have trouble, if I have trouble with your flesh in any area, I'm going to tell you why you're having trouble with your flesh. Romans chapter 8 and verse 5 says this, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, notice capital S, Holy Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So if you're struggling with areas of your flesh, the reason that you're doing it is because you're setting your mind on things of the flesh. If you're wanting to live by and in the Holy Spirit, then you're going to have to set your mind on the things of the Holy Spirit. And one of the easiest or best ways to make sure that your mind stays focused on Him is through and by praying in the Spirit. The Amplified Bible says this, For those who are according to the flesh and are controlled by its unholy desires set their minds on and pursue those things which gratify the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit and are controlled by the desires of the Spirit, meaning Holy Spirit, set their minds on and seek those things which gratify the Holy Spirit. So when you make it your aim to please Him and to focus on Him and set your mind on Him, the Scripture's telling us that you then are posturing yourself to be controlled by Him and to fulfill His desires in your life. Okay? Now, number uh, six is this. Praying in other tongues will stimulate your faith. Praying in other tongues will stimulate your faith. Again, Jude 20, 120, which we read uh, just a moment ago, a little bit ago, said this, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit. Now, uh, let me clarify and say this. Faith does not come uh, by praying in the Spirit. Faith comes by the Word of God, hearing the Word of God. But praying in the Spirit is an act of faith and therefore exercises your faith. Uh, just simply, again, because of the act of praying in the Spirit, you're having to trust in and depend on the Holy Spirit to provide the utterance to you. It's kind of like, um, you know, he, He'll provide utterance to you, and you speak that forth by faith, waiting for Him to provide the next phrase. And the more skilled you become at praying in the Spirit, it happens very fast, but it's, it's an act of faith because you're depending on Him to provide you with that supernatural utterance, okay? Now, here's number seven. Praying in other tongues gives us spiritual refreshing. Praying in other tongues gives us spiritual refreshing. Now, uh, let's go back to Isaiah 28 in the Old Testament. Isaiah prophesied about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 28, verses 11 and 12. The scripture, Isaiah, of course, speaking by the Holy Spirit, 
in Isaiah 28, 11 and 12, says this, For with stammering lips and another tongue he will speak to this people, to whom he said, This is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing. So there's something supernatural that happens. I know we talked about that you're edified, but there's something supernatural that happens uh, that is, it's refreshing. You know, the book of Proverbs says that um, a a word fitly spoken at the right season is like cold water on a hot day. And, And especially, you know, you walk outside right now and that's especially true, but there's nothing more refreshing than, you know, on a hot day to get a cold drink of water or uh, to be able to go swimming or something like that in order to be refreshed, to be um, cooled down, so to speak. And that's exactly what the Holy Spirit does for us. And listen, we need that ministry because uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but the world's gone crazy. And, uh, you know, when you are having to bump and rub elbows in the world and, and so forth, um, you need to be refreshed. And so being able to pray in other tongues is uh, the rest and the refreshing that we can receive. Uh, I made a note that says there is a rest and refresh, refreshing that is available to us through praying in the Spirit. As we know, sometimes rest is what we need to get well of what is ailing us or troubling us. You know, sometimes there are, uh, you know, maybe you've had times like this where you you just, you knew something was bothering you, but you didn't know what it was. Well, I encourage you, if you're sensing that, uh, you know, it could be very possible that something's going on and it's, you know, a physical or mental thing, but sometimes it's a spiritual thing. And you may need to spend some time praying in the Spirit for a couple of reasons. Number one, so the Holy Spirit has an opportunity to reveal to you what it might be that's causing you the agitation. And then secondly, that you can be praying in the Spirit about that agitation. And, and I've, you know, I've had situations like that where, uh, you know, I've been bothered by something or just, you know, just didn't, I couldn't put my hands on what it was. But I spent some time praying in the Spirit, and I felt the peace of God come on me. And it's like it washes over you and just washes whatever that anxiety or or that unsettledness uh, just seems to wash all of that away. All right? Now, here's number eight. Praying in other tongues will help you get your natural tongue under control. Praying in other tongues will help you get your natural tongue under control. Now, uh, go over with me to James chapter 3. I would happen to say, and and James kind of says this, but I would have to say, um, if there's been anything in my life that has gotten me into more trouble, it's my mouth. Anybody else can identify with that? Okay. Amen. Uh, All right, well, y'all just pray for me then. I guess, you know, I'm the only one. But anyway, um, 
you know, what we have to work with, one of the things that we have to deal with in the life of, as a believer in our lives, is getting our tongues under control. In other words, where we allow or we cause our tongues to speak from our heart out of our spirit, not from what we think all the time. You know, you used to, I used to hear the phrase, um, ready, shoot, aim. Okay. And that's the way a lot of us do with our tongues is we, we open our mouths and we say stuff and then we think about what we said after we've said it. Well, what the what praying in the, in the Spirit does in conjunction with the Word of God is enables you to filter what you're getting ready to say through your spirit to see if it measures up and, and whether you need to say it or not, okay? And I think there's a lot of times that with His help, we would keep our mouths shut. But let's look at James 3, verse, verse 6, James chapter 3 and verse 6. It says this, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. Now he's talking about an uncontrolled tongue here. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. Verse 7, for every kind of beast and bird uh, or of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Now, that's pretty plain talk. Now, here's the good news. What he just got through telling you is every animal can be tamed by mankind in one form or another. But he said the, the tongue cannot be tamed by mankind. But notice this. He did not say the tongue could not be tamed. He said it can't be tamed by man. It can't be tamed by human natural strength. But the, the tongue can be tamed by the power of the Word of God and the help of the Holy Spirit. Okay, And one of the ways that that, that happens is through not only speaking and confessing the Word of God, but spending time praying in other tongues, and that enables the Holy Spirit to rise in power in us to help us uh, when to say things that He wants us to say or we need to say, or how to keep our tongues under control and speak thing, or not speak things that we shouldn't say. You know, I heard it said one time, you know, there, there are times in the life of faith where we need to learn the vocabulary of silence in, in the sense of this. When you don't know what to say with your mouth, keep your mouth shut. If you don't know what scripture to confess, if you don't know how to respond to a situation, then don't say anything until you know. Okay? A lot of times, you know, we just spout off at the mouth. Like I said a while ago, you know, sometimes we, we, uh, we shoot first and then aim second. And I'm talking about with our mouths. So what we need to do, if you don't know what to say in response to a situation or a need that arises in your life, keep quiet until you do know. Okay. Very, very important. All right. Notice, uh, 
uh, James chapter 3 and verse 2, back up a few verses. It says, For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, or he's perfected, able also to bridle the whole body. Now, just a little side note, what James is telling us in that verse is, if you're having problems with your flesh, I, I'm, I'm gonna say it to you this way, okay? And I, I just I am just gonna have to put it out there, all right? Here's an example. If you're having trouble with, your, with losing weight or gaining weight, let's just say losing weight, before you start dieting, before you start attacking uh, the weight, start attacking what you're saying about yourself, about your physical body. Because notice what this verse says, that if you can control what you say, you're able to bridle the whole body. In other words, you're able to control your flesh. All right? So just a little side note, that's free. That won't cost you anything tonight, okay? Here's number nine, and this one's real important. Praying in other tongues will aid you in worshiping, praising, and magnifying God. Praying in other tongues will aid you in worshiping, praising, and worship, uh, worshiping, praising, and magnifying God. Now, let me let me say this: with worship, with praise, with magnifying God, we have our natural vocabulary, our natural language. And I'll say this to you. In worship, you need to develop a worship vocabulary in in your known tongue, in our case, English. Okay? In other words, um, when there is an opportunity to worship, you need to have a vocabulary of worship. Now, how do, somebody says, well, how do I do that? Well, you know, we have a whole book in the Old Testament called the Book of Psalms, which was the uh, Hebrew psalm book. And there are many, many phrases and things in there that we can go and that we can glean from and build a vocabulary of worship. You know, the scripture David wrote uh, or said this in one of his psalms. He said, Lord, I'm going to worship you in the beauty of your holiness. What does that mean? That means that David had meditated on and thought about the beauty of the holiness of God. And I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but you know, we have no problems telling someone that we're attracted to how pretty they are, how beautiful they are, and, and you know, that's perfectly acceptable. But have you ever thought about the fact that God is the best looking, most attractive, a person in all the universe. Now he's not vain where he needs us to tell him about that, but it's part of a vocabulary of worship. And that's what David picked up on. Lord, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to tell you how beautiful you are in your holiness. And so it's things like that. So you need to develop that in your known tongue. But that being said, there are gonna be times in your worship where you're gonna run out of things to say in English, and thank God we have the tool of the ability to be able to worship God in the spirit. 
Paul said this, he said, I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the understanding. I'll, I'll pray in the spirit and I'll pray with the understanding. So when you run out of what to say in your known language, English, then thank God we have the ability to be able to, and again, we're speaking directly to God and we're worshiping him in the spirit. All right, look at uh, Acts chapter 10, please. Acts chapter 10, verses 45 and 46. Acts chapter 10, verses 45 and 46. Now, this is when Peter went down to Cornelius' household and ministered to them, the first Gentiles that were born again, the first Gentiles to receive the Lord. And it says in verse 44, that while Peter was still speaking, these words, the Holy Spirit fell on, upon all those who heard the word and those of the circumcision, meaning the Jews who were present there, who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. Now, how did they know that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles? Well, verse 46 tells us, and it says, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And then Peter went on to baptize them in water. But here's what I want you to see is notice that when these believers, these brand new Christians who received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when they spoke with other tongues, they magnified God. Now, the, the Greek word magnify here means just like it does in the Old Testament. When David wrote and said, Oh, come, uh, let us exalt the name of the Lord. Let us magnify him. Uh, it, it means this, to enlarge him, to make him bigger. Now, you can't make God any bigger. But somehow, when you're spending time praying in the Spirit, you're making him bigger in you. You're making him, you're magnifying him in you. And, you know, in, when you're worshiping God in your known language, in English, you're making the Lord bigger in your own consciousness. You're making him bigger than whatever it is you might be facing. You're making him bigger than that need or that sickness, whatever it might be. And so praying in the spirit, by praying in the spirit, we make God bigger in our thinking of him. He doesn't get any bigger but he, he becomes bigger to us. The Passion Translation of that verse 46 says this, for they heard them speaking in supernaturally given languages and passionately praising God. And, and I love the fact that it says that they not only heard them, but they saw them, okay? So there was something that happened that was naturally visible. Now, Ephesians chapter five, Verses 18 and 19, if you want to just make a reference to those verses, Ephesians 5, 18 and 19, Paul wrote this. He said, do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, rather, but be filled with the Spirit. So he's telling you, don't be filled with natural wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, in the original text, that actually means a continual filling. It could be said like this, but be being filled with the Spirit. 
How? Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So as we're spending time worshiping God in other tongues, we're praying in other tongues, we're getting filled up in the spirit. Now here's why this is important. I don't know if you know this or not, but you leak, okay? You leak out all the time. And so you need to be filled back up. And, and you know, I know people will say, well, you know, Pastor, I received the infilling of the Holy Spirit 50 years ago. Well, yeah, there's one initial filling, but there's many refillings, okay? So you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit once, but there are many refillings that we have and that we need throughout our Christian lives as believers, all right? Now, for the balance of our time tonight, I want to share how to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, again, I'm not assuming anything of anyone that's here on the Bible study, but if you have already received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, take what I'm getting ready to give you and use it to minister to other people uh, in receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, we already established early on in our study that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a second or separate experience after being born again. Now we're born again of the Spirit. When we receive Christ and we are born again, the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of us. But there is a separate experience that is available for the believer and that is called the infilling or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now. Just make a couple of notes. These are scriptures we've already looked at in this study, but make a couple of notes here. Acts chapter 8, verses 5 through 8. Acts 8, verses 5 through 8. This talks about Philip who went down to minister uh, and uh, he preached and got a bunch of people born again and uh, down in Samaria. And so then after uh, Philip left, the apostles went down and followed him into the same area. And uh, so when they went down to minister to them, they wanted to pray for them, the scripture says in Acts 8, 14 through 17, that they would receive the Holy Spirit as he had not yet fallen on any of them. So Philip went down and ministered salvation to them. They got born again but they did not receive the separate experience called the baptism of the Holy Spirit yet. And so the apostles uh, laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit and began to pray in other tongues or speak in other tongues. So this is simply a separate secondary experience to the new birth. Now, I wanna be sure I emphasize this, just because you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit does not mean you're a second-class Christian. It just means you're missing out on a tremendous ministry that the Holy Spirit wants to do in and through you by making this resource available, okay? Now, here's the second thing I want you to know, and that is this. God has already given the Holy Spirit, and we just simply receive this free gift. God has already given the Holy Spirit and we simply receive God's free gift. Now I know there's 
uh, Pentecostal denominations that will teach that uh, you need to come down to the altar and tarry and wait for the Holy Spirit. Okay. And, uh, you know, bless their hearts. They're trying to do what Jesus said in Acts chapter one. Well, if you're going to do part of it, you better do all of it. And Jesus said, go into Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit. So if you're going to wait and tarry for the Holy Spirit, then you better get on a plane and go over to Jerusalem and fulfill the whole scripture, not just part of the scripture. Well, okay, all of that's unnecessary. You don't have to wait and tarry for the Holy Spirit. He has already been given. He has already been sent. The Lord Jesus sent him into the earth exactly like he said he would. And all we have to do is receive this free gift. All right. It, notice it says, and just make a note of this scripture. We um, looked at this verse a minute ago. But in Acts 8 and verse 15, it says that the, uh, the apostles Peter and John prayed for the people in Samaria that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Not ask him to come, not ask him to be poured, uh, poured out. Uh, you know, I, and listen, years ago, I've been guilty of um, singing songs, uh, you know, and I'm thinking of one song in particular that we sang, uh, you know, send it on down, Lord, send it on down, send down the Holy Ghost, okay? Listen, you don't have to sing that or pray that. He's already here, okay? Really what we need to be praying and singing is receive the Holy Ghost, okay? And I'm not belittling that song, but the fact of the matter is you're, you're asking God to send someone who is already here. He's already been sent, okay? All right, now, there, here's the next thing I want you to know, and that is this. There's only one requirement to being able to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know there are some who will say, well, if you'd get rid of uh, that jewelry you have on, God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. If you, if you don't wear makeup, God will, will fill you with the Holy Ghost. If you don't do this or you don't do that, God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. Well, no. There's only one requirement to being filled with the Spirit, to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and that is this. Be born again. That's it. Okay? See, we, we, <laughs> what we've wanted people to do is put the cart before the horse. And what I mean by that is we've told people, okay, if you'll get your life together, get cleaned up, then God will fill you with the Spirit. Well, part of the ministry that the Holy Spirit does when we do receive Him is the cleaning up and the sanctification, all that stuff that we wanted people to do in order to qualify to receive Him. Well, no, all you got to do to receive Him is to be born again. I mean, think about what we just looked at in Acts chapter 10 when, when uh, Peter ministered to those in Cornelius' household. They got born again, and just a few seconds later, received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They didn't have time to get cleaned up, is my point. But yet God still filled them with the Spirit, all right? So listen, He doesn't want perfect vessels. He'll take care of that part Himself. He just wants us to be willing to receive Him, all right? Now, uh, here's the next thing. You do not need to fear receiving anything 
other than the Holy Spirit when you ask. You do not need to fear receiving anything other than the Holy Spirit when you ask. You know, I've heard, uh, haven't heard in a long time, but I heard years and years ago where, uh, you know, people were hesitant to ask for, to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit because they were afraid that they would open themselves up spiritually to some other spirit. Okay, that doesn't happen. All right, let's look at Luke chapter 11. Go over with me there, please. Luke chapter 11. And look at verse 11, Luke 11, 11. Luke 11, 11. And Jesus, Jesus is speaking. It's in red. That's how we know. And he says this, If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Now I want to stop right here and I want to pause for just a second and remind you of just a few verses earlier, Jesus sent the disciples out and told them that they would have authority over serpents and scorpions and over all the power or authority of the enemy. So what, what Jesus is, when he referenced serpents and scorpions, he was referring to demons and devils and things having to do with the devil. Okay. So keeping that same line of thought, when he says, if a son asks for bread from any father, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, verse 13, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Okay? So when you ask God to receive the Holy Spirit, you do not have to be concerned with getting anything else. Alright? God is not going to do that. Okay? Now here's the next thing I want you to know. When you receive, when you pray and you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you yield to the Holy Spirit and you do the speaking. Now, here's why I emphasize that. When you ask to receive or ask to be filled with the Spirit, that you do the asking and you do the speaking, you yield to the Holy Spirit and you do the speaking because I've, I've ministered to people the baptism of the Holy Spirit, laid hands on them for them to receive, and they just sit there like a bump on a log thinking the Holy Spirit is just going to come on them and take over them and make them speak in other tongues. And that's not what happens. Okay? Uh, go back with me or go over with me rather to Acts chapter 2, please when the Holy Spirit was initially poured out on the day of Pentecost. Now, as I said to you earlier in our study, the Holy Spirit is the perfect gentleman. He will never force you to do anything. So the Holy Spirit is not going to come on you and overtake you and make you do anything. Okay? You must yield to Him and you do the speaking. So look at Acts chapter 2 
in verse 4. Well, let's just let's read verse 1 again. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it, the sound, filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So in verse 4, notice what it says. And they, that's the subject, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now I've got news for you. The Holy Spirit doesn't pray in other tongues. You do. Okay? You're the one that does the speaking and the praying in other tongues. Now, we looked at this earlier, but again in Acts chapter 10, when Peter prayed for those in Cornelius' household, it says, While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Notice who did the speaking. It was they and them. And then in Acts chapter 19 and verse 6, Paul ministering to some folks said, And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Okay? Who did the speaking in tongues? They did. All right? Now, you must yield yourself to him. You have to yield your tongue to him. So, and, and just make a note of this, 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 18. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 18. Paul said this, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Who did he say did the speaking in tongues? He did. Not the Holy Spirit. He did. Okay? So the Holy Spirit doesn't come on you and overtake you. What happens is when you pray and believe to receive, he, he fills you, comes on you, fills you to the full, and then an utterance rises up in your spirit. Now your part in this is to vocalize that utterance that's coming up in your spirit. Now here's the thing, it, it probably, well, it's not probably, it will not make sense to your mind. It is not going to make sense to your thinking. It's not going to sound normal. It might sound like gibberish to you, but by faith give utterance or, or give voice to that utterance that's coming up in your spirit, okay? And when you do, more will come. See, I've, I know people that, I, I mean, I've ministered to them, and I know the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they were filled, but they, again, were hesitant to give utterance, to give voice to that utterance, and they were waiting on the Holy Spirit to do something. No, you have to give voice to what the Holy Spirit brings up in your spirit. Now, when I'm praying for someone, I encourage them, do not speak in English at this moment. Uh, 
you know, just when you sense that utterance, give voice to it. And, and man, it never fails. Once they do that, they step out in faith, then more utterance comes and more utterance comes. Okay. Now we've read this scripture, but if you want to make a note of it, John 7 verses 37 through 39, this is where Jesus said that out of your belly will flow rivers of living water, meaning that the Holy Spirit will begin to flow out of you, but you still have to yield to him. Okay. So you're going to have to vocalize this utterance that's coming up out of your spirit. Now, we've said this before, but tongues is the initial evidence that you have been filled with the Spirit, that you have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the other thing that I want you to know, and, and you may know this, but when you're ministering to someone, I, I usually will let them pray in the Spirit for a few moments, and then I'll make them stop. And then I'm, I'll encourage them to start up again. Because here's what I want them to understand is that you, you can pray and speak in other tongues anytime you want to. Again, there are a lot of people that think it, there has to be this big move of the Spirit and it, you know, that he just, he comes on you and there's just power present. No, as I said to you earlier, uh, you can pray in other tongues Anytime you want to, you can pray in other tongues while you're doing the dishes, while you're driving the car. Uh, you, I mean, whatever you're doing, you can pray in other tongues and you can start and you can stop and start again and stop and start. I mean, whatever you need to do because it is you yielding to the Holy Spirit. Now, he's always there. That utterance will always be there. But, you know, it depends on you to give that voice and give that utterance to it. All right? Now, uh, let's see. Any questions on that? I, I, I started to move into something else, but I'm going to wait. Is, are there any questions on, on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking or praying in other tongues, receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, are there any questions? No, sir. Everybody good? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. Just a statement. Pastor. Say it again. Um, just a statement on what you just said. Um, back in the day, a long time ago, we were always under the impression that when you're speaking in tongues, it, it was like you were in a trance. But um, that's not the case, obviously. No, it's not. No, you can, you can be, um, like I said, driving the car uh, and, you know, and just under your, you could be sitting at your uh, job or in the grocery store or whatever. Now, I would not advise that you pray in tongues at the top of your voice at the grocery store, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm being silly when I say that, but, you know, you can under your breath be praying in the spirit be totally aware of what's going on around you. Okay. It's not, um, the Holy spirit. Now there might be an experience that you have in your own private prayer time, which goes deeper. Okeay. Which is mm -hmm. something we'll talk about later on, 
but but Ruby, you're exactly right. I mean, it it is something that you can start and stop whenever you desire. You know, I I, uh, I remember Ken Ken Hagen Jr. Uh, used to say this that he would go over to his mom and dad's house so he and his dad could watch a football game and 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 brother Hagen would be sitting there while he's watching the football game and he and and Ken Jr said he would he would look over and, and his dad would be praying in the spirit while he's sitting there watching the football game now somebody says well that doesn't make sense i mean watching a worldly football game and praying in the spirit well yeah i mean you know there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing, you know, sinful about watching a football game. But uh, but my point is this: is that no, it doesn't. It it you don't fall into a trance. Um, you know, you don't fall out into spirit. I mean, and those things might happen later on in in different environments. But no, not in this case. Okay. But that's a great question or statement. <laughs> Anything hmm. else? Any other questions? Okay. Well, here's what we're going to do. Next week, we're going to pick up here and we're going to start talking about the gifts and manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And and this is very important because I want you to gain an understanding of the gifts and manifestations, the nine manifestations of the Spirit, so that you can identify them, you can understand them, because again, here's what I want you to understand, and that is this, it, it is not just my responsibility as the pastor of Spring Hill Church for the gifts of the Spirit to flow through me only. No, my job is to equip you and to teach you what the Word says so that God can use you wherever He needs to use you in whatever gift or manifestation of the Spirit that He desires to use you in. But again, if you can't flow in something you don't know. And and a lot of times, you know, uh, I've had people get, you know, upset. This was years and years ago. People got upset with me because seemingly, uh, you know, there was a concern that, you know, why aren't we seeing uh, signs and wonders in our church? Okay, well, I'll be the first one to tell you that if the Holy Spirit moves on me to do something in a service, you can rest assured that I will obey. But here's one thing I will not do is put on a show for anybody. Okay? Amen. I will not put on a show and call it the Holy Ghost when it's not the Holy Ghost. Because we Amen. have messed, we ministers have messed up a lot of people and what we've done is we've kind of set that thing up so that it it appears as though the only time that you see the gifts of the Spirit happen is at church, and the only people that can that God will use in that way are the people on the platform, and that is not the case. Amen. Okay. Amen. So we're we're gonna we're gonna set all that straight. Praise the Lord. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.